Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Victoria's actually had an increase over March last year in terms of full-time employment and total employment. There's about 40,000 jobs missing in New South Wales. Something has gone on. Victoria's actually got more people in work and you've got New South Wales, which is the poster child for like how it's handled things, but its economy has struggled. Hello, lovely people of podcasts, and welcome to the show. You are with Catherine Murphy, the host and political editor of Guardian Australia. And this week, we were just chatting, actually, before we, we wandered into the podcast to record. It's been longer than usual. That's right. Shane Wright here from the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age. Thank because you. Because you were going to do the introduction. That's and you right. You just got sidetracked. And I always forget your title. And and I'm actually waiting for the official introduction, Shane, as a good guest would do. <laughs> Hold on. This is your podcast. I'm decorum. the guest, aren't I? Like, mm-hmm. I'm confused We now. have a, like 20 seconds and we're already off the rails. Look, uh, yes. With me is Shane Wright, all-round lovely person, man of numbers man from, of... from the Nine Faxes. Nine faxes. Yes, that's right. And Greg Jericho, our in-house man of numbers and all-around good person. And right. yes, I was trying to say a moment ago, it's been a little bit longer than usual since we've been together in the pod cave thinking about matters economics. But we intend to make up for that briskly. We hmm. want to. We bloody well want to. Yeah. yeah yes. Exactly. Saying. I apologise to the listeners because I know how popular these conversations are. So let's just hoe in. And this is the bit where you tell me what's going on because. <laughs> because I've been a little bit preoccupied over the last few months. So why don't we start with you, Shane? The economy. What's going on? It's still there. Isn't that it's good? still there. It's in, it's improving. Oh. It's probably back the size it was pre-pandemic. We, that, that Rubicon was probably past five, six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've only lost a year of, of the game when it comes to GDP. <laughs> Who needs but, it? So when we write about the economy roaring back and everything's coming up roses, it is, if you ignore the fact that, yeah, a year has gone by since we got into this space, that the Reserve Bank has interest rates at lower yeah. than a snake's belly and is creating about $300 billion to get things That's going. Something. Josh Frydenberg and team are running a deficit of, well, they ran a deficit last year of $85 billion. That's a record. They will surpass that this current year it'll be it'll end up 150 160 billion but who cares when you're talking about mm. and then next year anywhere between 50 and another 100 billion dollars so an economy with that much stimulus in it that doesn't have bodies piling up outside uh, hospital wards mm. is in your 
and has effectively trapped every Australian inside the coastline, and that has delivered its own form of stimulus. Yeah, it's doing all right. Well, it's own all form things of, considered. All things considered, that's right. <laughs> it's uh, its own form of downside, too, in the sense of no tourism, no students, no, which is, gets back to the point that we've got this very large artificial injection in the economy. And you also, as another consequence, is that house prices in Sydney, for instance, Mm. at an annual rate are climbing at 50%, (laughs) which cannot continue if if only for the fact that the millennials won't rise up and uh, murder every mm. uh, boomer who's staying or, in a house. Or boomer adjacent. Or boomer adjacent Which is, is problematic the, the, this for office. Oh, no, no. The, <laughs> as Gen Xers, we'll just blend into the background as, as, as ever. We'll dye our hair, <laughs> no, yeah, no, wear some of, black shirts. Just, and, uh, just for the record, we are not boomers. No one. No, no one here is a boomer. No one in this pod cave just when you come looking for us. Okay. Good summation, Greg. We've got to the point, though, you know, Shane's sort of assessment situation report indicates that there's still a lot of stimulus in the economy mm-hmm. at the at the moment, which is sort of floating our collective boats. But some of the stimulus is starting to be withdrawn, JobKeeper and the JobSeeker payments. What do we think? Do we think that'll be a problem or or is the sort of, you know, the massive injection sitting underneath all of us, is that sufficient to keep us moving past uh, what would be ordinarily, one would assume, a tricky transition. Yeah, tricky transition because it's a tricky economy at the moment and the, it's a good question and it's a tough question because the economy really is so artificial at the moment. I think that's sort of what is behind what Shane's been talking about. I mean, how do you talk about an economy and how it's running when you've got the cash rate at 0.1%? I mean, that, that doesn't make sense. How do you talk about an economy being strong or employment growing well when you? it's because the government is just pumping more money into the economy than has ever done in history and well beyond what anyone would have even considered doing you know, in just one year? So it's, it's really tough and I think one of the problems we have at the moment is the figures are a little bit laggy because the latest labour force figures, which essentially say, you know, employment is back to where it was a year ago. So, you know, we've got back, as Shane was saying, we've got back that year. We're back where we were March last year. So, okay, we lost a year, which is bad. But at least, in a sense, that part of the recession is over. But the figures kind of don't make a heck of a lot of sense, really, when you dig into them. It's a weird one because women, as we know, were hurt the most during the lockdowns and everything in terms of employment, but they are the ones who have actually recovered better. Women's employment is up. There's about 75,000 more women employed now than there was a year ago, and men hasn't changed at all. And the reason men haven't changed at all is because full-time employment went down about 47,000 for men and part-time employment's gone up about 47,000 for men. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a weird sort of thing, especially when you then couple it with the fact that underemployment rate for men has gone down, even though there's more part-time workers and fewer full-time. It kind The figures don't make a heck of a lot of sense, and it's pretty hard to sort of look at it on the sort of the big numbers. Everything kind of looks good, but you think this is there's it's the foundations are not real solid, which does make me concerned. What's going to happen now that job seekers? 
back to well, it's up what fifty bucks a fortnight, so you know, still not enough. But it's it, all all the bonus is gone, and JobKeeper especially is gone. It's going to have an impact. Treasury know it's going to have an impact, but I was going to yeah. say you talk about what it's weird numbers wise. New South Wales actually people have talked about how greater pandemic Gladys Berejiklian's mm. had and how the economy's doing well and, yeah, Dan Andrews flat on his back, the economy in Victoria is in trouble. Victorian Victoria's actually had an increase over March last year in terms of full-time employment and total employment. There's about 40,000 jobs missing in New South Wales. Something has gone on. And this was – you could see this in the state-by-state breakdowns before – before the pandemic, that New South Wales, the jobs figures just weren't good enough mm. relative to what's been going on. Mm. Um, like the participation rate, which tells you the number of people who are in work or looking for it, is actually about, oh, I think it's almost a full point, point and a half higher in Victoria than New South Wales. So if you look, if you're trying to compare the pair, Unemployment in New Victoria would be much lower than New South Wales if they had the same participation rate. But Victoria's actually got more people in work. This is a state that went through that really mm. terrible mm. lockdown. Yeah. And you've got New South Wales, which is the uh, poster child for like how it's handled things. But its economy has struggled. And the, I, don't th- I don't know if many people were thinking this... Like There had been all this focus on New South Wales and Victoria... The international student issue is really big mm. for Victoria. Yeah. Like it's more it, as a proportion of its economy, it's bigger than in New South. So yeah. you'd think, oh, hold on, there's something going on there. Mm. I'm still I'm spitballing this, but wages growth in Victoria had been stronger than New South Wales for the last few years uh, for a few reasons. I'm just wondering whether there's a bit more money moving around Victoria, which has actually helped them relative mm. to New South. I don't know. Like, mm. But there's some, there is something going on across the Murray River. I'm not sure if you could see it in, if you're in Albury and looked over at Wodonga <laughs> or in Tokenwall and looking over to Cobram. I'm might, not sure if you'd see might it. Be a, might be a lake. That granular. More a yeah. Mildura-Wentworth kind More of More Mildura-Wentworth, yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But, yeah, there's some, yeah well, like different. we're talking about these things. Yeah. There are th- weird things going on. That's just one of those weird things. I mean, even, you know, it's it's so hard when you're – because the figures still don't make a heck of a lot of sense. Like, you look at the GDP figures and you see, oh, there's a 3.1% growth. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's that's quite a good growth for an annual rate. And then you realize, oh, no, that's the quarterly growth yeah. that we've got at the moment. And the annual growth, growth is actually minus 1.1%. Mm. So it's, yeah. it's, you know, we're certainly at a better place than you might have thought we would be June, July last yeah. year when you thought this is going to take ages to get back to even where we were. But it's still, you know, you wouldn't want to be hoisting the Mission Accomplished banner just yet because clearly our tourism and education sectors are just in disarray still and are going to be for a long time. I mean, even when everything is open, are people going to come back and, you know, are tourists going to come back? So that's there are still so much weakness and then it's a case of we've got both the monetary and the fiscal sides you know propping mm. up the economy so it's a case of much better than we thought we we're going to be but is that just because well we've had really good sort of quote unquote keynesian kind of yeah, economic well, well, stuff that has actually worked well, it's, but, kind of, it's, you know. it's an unusual 
downturn and recovery because both of them are artificial. I mean, mm. I suppose not not through the Keynesian lens in terms of the recovery, but if you think about it, it, it wasn't an organic recession. It wasn't mm. triggered by a... Oh, High interest rates or yes. a cyclical downturn. Exactly, no, it, yeah. it was it was a recession that governments generated by by policy decisions to try and save lives. So it's an unusual set of circumstances, and obviously the recovery is still artificial in the sense of all of those supports. Anyway, it's fascinating though the difference in the numbers and. Obviously, if you're listening uh, and you've got thoughts on that, get in touch with any of us with your theories about that. We <laughs> Love are, a good theory. Yeah. We, are over, we are open for business on the socials. Just one other thing I want to talk about, although Greg, Greg gave us a nice segue to the Reserve Bank. and But anyway, we'll come <laughs> to the Reserve Bank, which Shane's been doing a lot of work on. But there's just one more thing, vaccination. Now, obviously, the mid-year economic forecast had an underlying assumption that there would be a population-wide vaccination program in place by the end of this year. Now, obviously, that assumption can't hold when we when we reach mm. the budget in a couple of weeks' time. So, but do, does it matter? Does it matter, Shane? This is now. Craig's not allowed to write about this. You're in charge of him. telling him he's not allowed to write until I write about this. No. I mean, this is my working theory. This is just the a second, I just got to step out for a little. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, this is my working theory that the biggest stimulus has been the closure of the international border. Mm. That by trapping people in this country. Oh, I see. Yeah, I'm with you now. That yep. that has like. Uh, the models never haven't been able to take that into account. Yes. So the vaccination input into the modelling, I don't think it is as important as actually keeping 25 million people stuck mm. buying Italian bloody coffee machines on eBay, which yeah. we know they're doing. Mm. Like I think NAB actually reported the other day just this huge spike in coffee machine purchases. <laughs> now, I'm not a coffee drinker, but... I am yet to be convinced that a coffee-led productivity boom is about mm. to engulf this country. Mm. Seems unlikely. Yeah. No, mm. but it goes to consumption, which is 60% of the economy. So I, my, my working thesis at the moment is that the vaccination isn't as important as the border closure and that my, my, uh, the new budget will say, right, we're assuming this. It doesn't matter mm. because if you trap all these consumers inside a country and you've given them shovel loads or bloody wheelbarrow loads of cash, which they've got, and it's really cheap cash, then they're consuming. They're finding ways to consume. Mm. So the state boundary closures are more important because that stops them. One of the things I've picked up is that Treasury has underestimated, and they admit it now, that those short, sharp closures, the bounce back has been much quicker. And again, I am keep, keep coming back to what is it? Is it because we've just stopped people spending money going on big overseas trips? We've seen yeah. it. This helps explain the housing market. It helps explain that there's been a 40% increase in the, in the price of used cars, which has gone on over the last 12 months. The fact that last month there was a near record number of Porsche sales, mm. that the car market has really bounced back. Some of that mm. is related to the public transport closures we've also seen. Mm. But they're purchases that if you if Murph wanted to take the family on a trip through India, 
can't do that. No. What am I going to use the money for? I might in. Invest yeah. well, and, and, also, your house. and also you can't yeah. even say, well, we'll go to Cairns because you're like, oh, I don't know if I trust that. I'm not going to book that because what if the border shuts and I have to get home in 24 hours? So bugger it, we're buying a yeah. car. Or Rottnest Island to go see my friends, the Quaggers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know. I mean, the good thing is that that yeah. actually um, agrees with an article I was going to write on this very. No, <laughs> no I mean, it, but it, oh it, my God, it I makes like sense I'm with the. Something. I mean, it I'm makes sure sense. What this contract <laughs> it is makes sense with you. the when you look at the retail figures, which are bonkers, because there was a huge spike early on, which made sense because we were all panic buying like nothing else. And everyone was thinking, oh, well, that'll come Murph back. Murph built a house of toilet paper. Like, honestly, <laughs> it got out of control. Oh, you know, don't tell, don't it's, tell it's, people it's, that, Shane. Don't, why are you telling people that? was before the pandemic started. I mean, it's quite weird. Um, I was going to say something, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the retail figures went bonkers yep. April, May last year. Everything, everyone would start, oh, yeah, we're buying, we're stocking up. You know, you'd just go to Coles and Woolies and there was nothing on the shelves. People would buy log life milk, even though, you know, you were still able to buy milk. There were still um, cows in this yeah. country. Yeah, that's right. And everyone was thinking, oh, that'll come back. And it just hasn't come back because mm. when you break down, you look at the hardware stores are going mad. All the electronic stores are still going mad. Everything, all that luxury, quote-unquote luxury sort of items that, are now kind of underpinning it, and the grocery sales are back to kind of normal because we're not... The services there. sector hasn't but recovered. Yes, yes. because, yeah. yeah. These are things that you can hold in your hand yeah. or drive around on the streets, mean streets of Adelaide But, but as, as yeah. Shane points out, that is not a long-term way to recover an economy because... How many coffee machines can you own? I mean, some people would say many, but <laughs> yes. you know, I don't. I'm not, not an expert in that yeah, field, no, and no, yeah, no, I reckon don't I re- drink coffee. This is, I reckon a, this, this is a new insight. I, I reckon no the uh, Guardian's office could do with an extra no, couple damn, of uh, coffee yeah, machines. Could. Yeah, well, to go could. with the I'm toilet gonna... paper house. Yeah, anyway, right. I have one question about this though, and it's sort of like this consumption binge that you're both describing is sort of just at a level of human psychology, right? Obviously, these aren't massive purchases, but they are... But people obviously feel confident. How right? many Porsches do you own? No, no, no. Well, sorry, I, no, no, no. Sorry, I forgot about the Porsche. Okay, that's that's and the house and, and the, the house. No, no yeah. sure, no, no. But it's like, well, no. It there's is. a point yeah. inside yeah. me, yeah. gents, that's trying to come out, and it's this. So people must feel like they're not going to lose their jobs. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. At this point, but, but that's weird, isn't it? I, I think also think what it might be as well is, you know, <laughs> when you've just gone through the bottom fell out last year, and we we saw what the government did. They said yes. we've got your back. We'll come in with a job keep. So there's is a sense of okay, yes, people lose jobs and everything, but there's not that sense of if everything goes to hell, we kind of are confident that the government's going to. Which is really interesting. Save us a bit. And so perhaps there is this also bounce back from the world's not going to go to hell. Yes, the um, the vaccination is slower, but it's coming. Things are better, so much better than we thought they were going to be. So there may be a bit of that. I mean, I don't want to get into the sociological and psychological no, no, aspect it, of it. But, uh, well, but well, you're right. Normally, you don't buy cars when if you're you worried you might lose, lose your job. job. Or just and and we need we need to get onto the bank. So just just one more thing on this point, right? Like, Back to the vaccination assumption. Now, um, obviously, the state public health systems have been very tested over the last 
18 mo- 12 to 18 months. So there would be a high degree of confidence in the country that if there were to be an outbreak that state health, public health teams, contact tracers are able to run it down and, you know, possibly the worst we'll get will be localised lockdowns. But still, we do... <laughs> Look at India. I mean, mm. horrendous. Obviously, it's not like for like, but look at that. Look at the situation where we don't have vaccines covering the population and we've got another winter to get through. Is this exuberance rational? No. You're, you're channeling Alan Greenspan. I am. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's, you've gone. And we're into rational expectations. Well, I, I was. Be, that was a <laughs> that was a subtle intertextual reference, Shane, which you've. <laughs> It was. Well, look, I've I've been angry at Scott Morrison since he used the term animal spirits last week. Yes, that's true. That is a copyrighted term. Well, the fact was he misused it (laughs) because you can't have the animal spirits of capitalism. Mm. When Keynes used the term animal spirits in the general theory, he was referencing consumers. Yes. Individuals. That's true. See, it's awakened to this now. Like, look, if you're going to quote Keynes, quote him correctly, if nothing else. Oh, or, my God, what a... Oh. But then again, I'm thinking maybe the PMO just doesn't quite grasp. I don't know if Keynes anyone there has it? actually read yeah, the general, general theory. theory. Well, they read the Wikipedia. Yeah, dummies guy. Anyway, dummy, sorry. Do that. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> anyway, whether it's irrational or rational... If you're sitting in suburban Sydney yeah. and you you look overseas, okay, which is a rational, it is yes, rational. Yes. I look at I look at what's going on in the US. Yes. I look at look at India. Yeah. I look at China. I look across through Europe, Europe and Africa. I look at South America and go, God, this is all right. So yes. I don't I don't think it's irrational to think well, our system is right. Like we. Myself and Eric Bagshaw, who's now the age and SMH's China correspondent, but based in Singapore because of our mm. great relations with China. Yes. Um, we had this discussion very early last year mm. we, when there were reports saying, oh, the US system, health system, best in the world to handle a pandemic. And we actually looked at each other, no, we can see the problem. And it was manifested through the mm. Trump administration mm. that, that they will fall apart. And it came to pass, mm-hmm. and if you, and if you're being told the American system's great, and you're looking at what how the Australian system's done, you go, hold on, bloody good place here, mm. you know. Yeah, this, so- is, this is the lucky country, in the fact that we do have we do have a, a very strong public health system, mm. and we're an island, and we had a government that threw ideology out of the window mm. very early because mm. they could see, and you yeah, actually yeah. had a good okay. treasury. Yeah. So that those institutional mm. elements of the country, it, you can call it luck or you can just call it le- like it's oh, learnt it behaviour no. that yeah. we've had was, over the last 30, 40 years. It was more than luck. Yeah, yeah it's more than yeah, luck. Yeah, it was yeah. more than luck. The, the problem, though, is it's all looking good now because mm. by comparison, but if, you know, after a while, you're like, wait on it, aren't we meant to be really back to normal yet? And it's like, this is dragging on, and when are we, the borders yeah. all opening up, and then it all sort of, we're in a bit of a flush of joy, I think. At yeah, the it's moment. when you mm. go, I can't, I don't need the, the extra coffee machine, I don't need the extra Porsche, although I'm sure Murph's got enough space in their garage for a three or four. <laughs> three. In the but yeah, I, I, you can see ultimately that you'll get to that point, mm. and that's where government, RBA, Policymakers are going right. That's where the transition from stim- stimulus keeping everything afloat will will make over yeah. to 
a, a kind of reality. Yeah. And it's and it's a bit why the RBA is kind of still saying three, you know, twenty twenty two at least before we're going to even think about raising interest rates. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and a beautiful RBA segue, Greg. Thank mm. you for that. So Shane, you have, <laughs> uh, I'm sure many listeners will be an avid reader of Shane's material, but he's uh, done in the parlance a deep dive. The first ever. this <laughs> <laughs> Into the Reserve Bank. Anyway. With a surprisingly large number of readers. Like we have... I'm not all surprised by that. Writing ten or 12,000 words on the Reserve Bank. No. Uh, these were dark well, times. Well, you, 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 you'd be staggered by how many people listened to these. I retweeted it, so that probably got half your readers. You would be staggered by how many people listened to these conversations. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. That's the, and good on you for doing that. And thank you for reading Shane's many words on the Reserve Bank, which he's going to summarise for us now, Shane. That's right. Yes. This has been... Like, we talk a lot about federal uh, federal government policy, economic policy, but there are two very big arms of economic policy in this country, fiscal, government, and monetary, reserve bank. And as an institution, the age and SMH, we decided we will finally have a look at how the RBA has gone. And ever since Bernie Fraser took over and you, uh, the bank in 1989 and you got the uh, inflation target, Nothing has been written quite like this. This is what we got up to with interviewing former governors, former board members, former treasurers, and there's a a fairly intense group of academics who focus purely on monetary policy. Mm, mm. And, and what's this, it, was there a consensus? What is, and what the, is it? Well, there's there no, I would never argue there's a consensus among economists. But in this space, the question is whether the RBA was in the wrong space before the pandemic, mm. and. I think even by the RBA's actions, you get to the conclusion they were in the wrong space. And what, for when, three or four years, they had interest, interest rates too high for too long right. and didn't act. And then you get to this point uh, one or two weeks after the 2019 election where the Reserve Bank decides we're going to start cutting rates. So let's go back 18 months. The Reserve Bank was at 1.5% cash mm. rate and halved it in four, five months mm. uh, in the wake of the election. And then Phil Lowe said, government, you need to spend money. Like this was a concession that the RBA went, oops, we didn't do it again. We've been in the wrong space. Mm. And now there's this hot, there's another ongoing debate about how long does the RBA keep rates on hold? Does the RBA need to change? And this is, I went into this saying, right, I, ha- I don't have a position on the RBA's performance and everything else. But I've come out of it thinking this is every every other central major central bank in the world has reviewed itself and its target mm. in the last five years, six years. There's one that hasn't, mm. and it's in Martin Place. Well, it, but and it's that's inter- an interesting position. It is interesting, though, isn't it? But, uh, look, I'm losing track of time, but Josh Frydenberg, the Treasurer, did, was it, Two years ago? Was it 18 months ago? I can't remember. two years, when he became yes. treasurer. When he yeah. became treasurer, signalled that he actually wanted the inflation target reviewed. And uh, and it seems logical, given that as hard as it is for the three of us in, in the sort of matrix in which we were raised to understand that inflation is not a thing anymore, or at least not at mm. the moment, um, it... it it seems entirely logical to review whether an inflation target at its current level is the correct policy instrument, right? It's not, but, even but, ju- it's not even just the target. It's like we have a board that is 
a group of non-experts. And we, and this was a plan, Ted Theodore, when he was treasurer in 1930, this is where these things start. That's the type of board we want. We, Our board is exceptionally unusual. Mm. compared. So we, I get to this point. The, the board through 2016, like they haven't hit the inflation target since 2014. The board sitting there, no one holds them to account. It's yes. always, always through the governor. Yeah. But through that period, wages growth took a step down. And it's prob- probably one of the biggest pre-pandemic issues, and it will be, that this step down in wages growth in this country. The RBA missed it. Mm. All those analysts, that board missed it. Now, how the hell does that come to pass? Mm. And there hasn't been a reckoning around that. There's, does the ABS need to have monthly inflation figures, which is an issue which we, we touched on? Does the board need to be changed? There hasn't been a unionist on the board since Bill Kelty yes. resigned in 96. And I've had this, some people are saying, if you had a unionist on the board, at least you've, you've got you'd a, have someone at the coalface and say, you've hold got up, guys, voice. you're, you're, yeah. you're um, joking if you think wages are going up. Except you've got these captains of industry who are – it's like a, you know, a caucus or the party room of the Liberal Party. They're, they're picked partly on geographical mm. issues and they completely missed it. Mm. Well, it's not just they completely missed it. They completely don't care about I think they ca- I think they care. No, I don't think they care enough, shall oh, we say, about – Wages growth—it's not an issue that is forefront and a, and a concern in terms of the economy. It's not a priority for them, I don't think, or it certainly wasn't enough. And of now a they're trying to make it yeah. a priority, and whether and monetary policy can do it is mm. a completely no. different and, story. And it's the—I I just can't see anyone actually believing that there is really a target band anymore. When you know, as as I've been arguing for a while, in, if, inflation if is like be, the... if we'd been above three percent for this long. There would have been alarm bells everywhere, and people would have been saying, you know, there would have been editorials going mad in the Oz and the Fin Review mm. and all that, saying, "What are you doing about inflation?" It's, mm. and yet below it, there's been, you know, yeah. you know, no real sense of we got to do something. Urgency. Yeah, no urgency, despite the fact that there were people going. Have you looked at wages recently? Well, I, I, like you, you know. look at wages and you've had Phil Lowe, like this exceptionally unusual, the Reserve Bank governor saying governments stop capping public sector mm. wage rises. Mm. What did the, gov- the federal government <laughs> and every state government do during the pandemic? Mm. Cap the wage Caps, rise. froze them. Mm. And you go, okay, you've got the guy in charge of monetary policy, half the econ- economic debate saying – Guys, you're doing the wrong thing, and the other half says, "Oh, yeah, stuff you." Like it, it mm. is. I, I yeah. really do. Like maybe this is the uh, craziness of sitting down and discussing in depth monetary policy for two months with some very bright people. But it's maybe sent me a little on edge here. No. You can see. No. But I still think in that space it is a a, a compelling issue that uh, post pandemic has, has to be. Examined, yeah, and it, and there's not a lot of oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of well, automated is a stupid word, but there's not a lot of. I mean, look, the governor trots up to parliamentary committees and people ask questions that uh, mm. you know may or may not be relevant to this point, but that's kind of it, really. They exist in their own. Yeah, Andrew Andrew Lee, for instance. When he went to the governor at one of their six yes, monthly I meetings remember. earlier this year, yeah. like saying you've got it wrong, like you're you've failed on your you've got one KPI. 
hit inflation between two and three, and you haven't got there. Like, uh, like we've better chance of seeing Carlton win a premiership than we are of these guys getting to that target based on what they've been at. And what the problems, their problem is actually going to come in the next few years as the federal government winds back all this stimulus. Yeah. And this is why the governor keeps saying, well, we, we aren't going to lift interest rates till 2023, 2024. They want to get the economy exceptionally hot. But you've got the other arm of policy going, well, no, we've got to get back to surplus as quickly as possible. Mm. It, it's, it's a real tension. Well, it's mm. sort of like if we could summarise this, we could sort of say that the old rules really don't work. Possibly. possibly. Very possibly. Well, that's kind of the context mm. sitting here, isn't it, that there's sort of been an institutional – well, complacency, again, might be too strong a word, but almost complacency that, you know, this is a cyclical this, that and the other thing and it'll all come right. Well, it hasn't come right and it hasn't come right anywhere in the world. So It it's... might almost be a bit – to be a little bit more subtle, maybe the old rules weren't actually working. Things were actually – it was almost an accidental working in a sense, and we were we were tricked into thinking, oh, yeah, that's how the economies work and everything's fine. It's like mm, maybe mm. we were just had a good run and that was an abnormally good run and now we're actually having to do work and... And work out how these things yeah. work better in the future. Anyway, yeah. look, it's a fascinating series. It's... I'm sure when we uh, when the pod drops over the weekend... Readership will go up oh. by Shane. No, no, no. No, I'm being yeah. serious. Uh, Shane will doubtless <laughs> share this conversation and I encourage Shane to re-up his RBA mm. series so that if you haven't read it, you can read it. Just quickly, because time is a Guinness, the budget. Yay! Best day of the year, oh, isn't it? Oh, yeah. tremendous. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the excitement on Greg's face. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's the budget soon, guys. Oh, okay. No. What's happening in the budget, Greg? It's going to be good for women, um, apparently. Uh, <laughs> tremendous. It's, it's, again, weird budget because the, the figures are going to be absurd compared to you know, the, we're not going to be talking surplus even in the next four years. The, it's how quickly, you know. It, so it's it it might actually, which is something I, I like because the focus on sort of deficit and surplus is always a bit silly. So it might be good in that it means the focus is actually going to be a bit more on the individual uh, aspects of it. So what is, are they going to do something with childcare? Are they going to you know, do anything with climate change, probably not. But it means because we're not going to be so worried about, oh, are we back in the black and things like that, it might be actually, okay, well, let's look at this policy. Is this really a good policy or not? So it might be a, a kind of a weird budget, whereas last year it got put off and it was all just, you know, how are we going to keep everyone alive and afloat? Now it's it's going to be... Um, it's going to be a budget unlike any other that I can sort of think of. But mm. You said that about the last one. Well, so, come on. Yeah, but last year was, I mean... <laughs> well, that was kind of and, different. And it was unlike well, any other yeah. one. Yeah, and last year, again, reasons. I was saying the best way to go about this is let's have a green recovery and go mad with renewables. I'm saying that again, and again, it ain't going to happen, but, you know, hey, hydrogen is a no-gas gas, and that's good. Then you gas. <laughs> Shane, what's in the budget? This could be the pre-election budget. Yes. Yes. Good Which, if it's not, then next year's is going to be pulled forward. And yes, I know you hate that, but that's life. Uh, so, I nothing would surprise me in Josh Frydenberg actually putting in the out year balanced budget. Oh, jeez. I can see really? that. And then we get into tax 
like we've we already know after we reported about the Lamington, yes, the Lamington, um, mm. um, that they're going to extend it for a year, which means they've just put it off the problem for another, another year. year. Mm. So yep. they won't announce what they're going to do this budget, but again in the run-up to the next election. Like, yeah. this is it. You can't pull budgets away out of elections because no, we just no, no, no. it's hugely Ex- political. No, exactly. And hugely political. we go to uh, the women, mm. the women's yeah. problem, mm. and I remember clearly the phone calls we got last year when myself and Katina Curtis wrote front page the complaints that this did nothing for women. Mm. How dare you? Mm. This is, ah, oh, women mm. drive on women, roads. Women are people yeah. too, Women you know? are people too. Mm. And... My goodness, Damascene mm. conversion has well, taken place in well, the last five months. Well, we'll see, of course, uh, in terms of the substance of it. But, yeah, absolutely, that is that is right. And there's just, a, again, not so much because of election timings but because of the sort of sequencing of various reviews. We've got a lot of social policy in this budget. We've got mental health, we've got aged care, yeah. we've got other things too. Where so. they get to on aged care is going to be... Particularly interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, agreed. Yeah. yeah, and there's an IGR due in about three months. Oh God! Yeah, which they had, they put back. Put they put breached back. their own chart of yeah. budget honesty to do it. Oh my God! Yeah, I know. And so, if you will all remember, sadly, the hockey IGR, which yes. was the most politicised yes. IGR we've ever seen, well, it was beyond embarrassing. It was. Yes. Reality will come back to uh, to how they put it together. Yeah. And so, I'd totally and, forgotten that. And that that's, will actually give us a better idea of what the everything that's happened, pan, mm. pandemic and pre-pandemic and now, will do longer term to the budget. I, I think I think the IGR may be one of the more interesting documents we're going to see this yeah, year. Especially yeah, yeah. given population. Definitely. The population storm. Well, yeah. it's yeah. sort of well, dreadful cliche, perfect storm, population my bit of a productivity problem. Uh, my favourite stage Climate three, change stage still, three yeah. tax cuts. You love a good stage, stage three, three tax, tax cuts. Giving people money they don't need. Yes, uh, well, I don't. They need to buy more Italian sure, coffee machines yes. and Porsches. No, no. and, and Shane and Shane and I do agree that there is a problem with uh, the company tax rate and potential avoidance in that cohort. Yes, we which, are. Like, I, we're on a unity ticket I, there. I pay that point, but stage three tax cuts are otherwise giving people money they don't need. Anyway, sadly, we're at the gong. Thank you, gents. I think this is actually the only conversation that we've had, and we've had many over the years, where we have had no musical references. Oh, come on. It is. Come on. I feel deficient. Yeah, I blame you. Well, that's only reasonable. I blame you. Look, I promise we'll show up on the other side of the budget. (laughs) (laughs) Full of musical. (laughs) Full of musical. You didn't reference my Kate Bush. No, that's true. Shane Shane is even here with a Kate Bush coffee mug. Anyway, tea mug. Yeah, it is. I don't drink. Yeah, it is. That's why all the tannins. The tannin. That's tannin. I've had it for a while. Yes, that that is. (laughs) I drink black tea. Do you wash your mug? I do, but. Tenon. Honestly, tenon. Serious. It's a serious Next business. Next time we need to video this just so people can see. <laughs> anyway, no, no, exactly. Anyway, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much to Miles Martignoni, the executive producer of the show, and to Hannah Izzard, who produces and cuts it. Uh, thank you to all of you for listening. Remember, if you've got tips on the weird numbers, get in touch with us. We're all on the socials. And a reminder to Shane to up his terrific RBA series. We've got a week before the budget. Yes, one more week to go. 13 days. 13 days until the budget. Yes, so we'll be back next week. Until then, be safe. See you then.
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.